All right, so this morning's lesson, if you got a handout, uh, we're on course seminar uh, week five, the economics of tomorrow, saving, investing, and debt. And we're following the uh, Capitol Hill Baptist uh, course seminar. So let's just start out with like one or two questions from like an intro standpoint. Um, when we think about debt, Right, we can think about debt uh, positively or negatively. What are some of the positive things that can be associated with debt? Or if you're to use the phrase like good debt versus bad debt, what are maybe what are some examples? Or oh, Barani? Yeah, mortgage. Yep, that'd be a good example. Sabrina? Yes. Yep. And so then there's benefits with having a built up credit um, that allows for other opportunities that you might not have from a financial standpoint. No, absolutely. Mamacita? Starting a business. Yeah, starting a business, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it would be very difficult to start a business with no debt, right? Where you just had the capital to start and just jumped into it versus taking on debt knowing that there's potential for growth, right? There's a certain amount of. Uh, risk with that. No, I think that's helpful. And then, so on the reverse side, right, so if, if we're talking about borrowing, then on the other side, we're talking about saving. Um, what are some good things uh, or positive things associated uh, with savings or investing? Yes, yeah, Sabrina? Well, you have a rainy day fund when things go sour. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. When your AC goes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, common Florida. Yep. Yeah, rainy day fun. What else? You can also, let's say just peace of mind. Maybe there's just security. Yeah, yeah, there is. There's from yeah from a risk standpoint. Yep. You have the opportunity to be more generous. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That yep. Absolutely. Yeah, it does. It could free you up from that standpoint. No, awesome. That was my point too. You can bless other people. Yes, when you have something already saved, and then as yes, as you accumulate, it becomes um, with greater ease to be able to do that without also uh, without personal injury, right, from um, uh, risk. So no, I think that's really good. So I think those are some just helpful things as we kind of introduce the subject, as we kind of think about. Um, the Bible talking about uh, savings, uh, talking about borrowing, right? And there's, and there, and there's, um, uh, uh, in and of itself, both of those things are neutral, right? And they can be used in godly ways, and they can be used in ungodly ways. And we're going to spend some time this morning working our way through that under this theme of stewardship. So let's talk about uh, point two, mortgaging the future, so debt can be defined as getting something now by paying for it later. And just by a show of hands, how many of us have some form of debt? Yes, and to some extent, uh, credit is necessary. It's a necessary means of doing business, right? Um, uh, so the first question there in point A is, does God forbid borrowing? And... Uh, uh, how does God think about debt? Uh, you know, and does God forbid borrowing? And uh, you know, I think for us that have raised our hands, right? It's a, it's you know, a relief that you know, that it's okay to borrow, right? It's not, it's not sinful 
to borrow. Uh, but let's, let's look at why. So in the Old Testament, um, we see that God uh, permitted lending in the law uh, when he gave it to the Israelites, right? So in Exodus 22, verse 25, uh, it says, If you lend money to one of my people among you who is needy, do not be like a money lender. Charge him no interest. And, uh, and in fact, Jesus said something uh, similar in the New Testament in Luke 6.35. He said, love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Uh, in fact, we even read uh, from um, our uh, parable when we started with lessons uh, one and two from Matthew 25 about uh, the servants and uh, being given interest and then expecting interest back, right? To, that the talents would have, been, would have been built. So if God permitted lending, then it naturally follows that he permitted borrowing as well. And uh, in fact, um, lending can and, and should be used at times to show mercy to those in need. Sometimes the people that are most in need of borrowing are the people that are on the lowest part of the financial scale. So, while we can borrow without sinning, we can also sin by borrowing. And, and, and borrowing can just be an outward outworking of uh, uh, impatience or greed or, or lacking of faith, right? And like Romans 14 says, anything that's done outside of faith is sin. So, and, and there's two ways that we can think about this when we think about borrowing. Um, uh, and, and one is... Um, when it can become sinful when we borrow and then we wrongly presume on God, right? We can think of this in like, in like two ways. Um, one way, uh, we can sinfully attempt to obligate God to pay for our debt. So uh, we go and make purchases and then we just expect God is just going to miraculously give us extra cash and some, you know, like, oh, I just got this like, you know, gift, Right. And so we just presume that we can spend extra and somehow God will make up the difference, right? Or even see that as like some, some kind of faith. Secondly, I think, uh, you know, James 4 um, warns uh, for us to wrongly presume upon God's sovereignty. And two of these are just like maybe two aspects, right? Where, um, where God is sovereign and but our pres- our presumption says, you know what? I'm just going to go and make this decision, and in my pride, and say this is what's going to happen, and you know the Lord's just going to figure it out, right? As though we just out- somehow like obligate God um, uh, instead of uh, using wisdom and prudence and the means that God has given us. So I think those would be two ways in which we can borrow, but in so doing, wrongly presume on the Lord. Uh, instead of acting in, in proper faith. So if you uh, will on your notes, uh, so the second point is the wisdom of borrowing. So if there's, if there's a you know, negative side to borrowing, this would be more the positive, right? We, we actually talked about some of these things, right, um, uh, when, we, when we talk about borrowing. And, and really, um, you know, again, like we said, there's good associated with borrowing. But then as we work through borrowing or we work through the issue of debt, a lot of this will come down to motives, right? What's our motive for taking on debt? Debt can be a serious thing. And I think that's what we're going to see as we kind of work through some of this. Debt is a serious thing and it needs to be handled with weight, 
right? If you will, uh, it's like a scale. The more debt you take on, the, se- the, more s- the, the, the seriousness in which it should be handled. So like we said earlier, debt has several advantages, right? So we talked about like, you know, you could start up your own business and it's a way in which you, you can start by getting initial capital to build up. Then you're providing jobs, you're adding economic value to an economy, you're providing um, uh, goods and services to people, uh, all, all good things, right? Um, uh, uh, it could be a form of like, I think we said uh, mortgages or uh, other forms of uh, capital, right? Where uh, it's assets and they grow and develop. And all of those are, are good things. In fact, um, uh, there's a, a large study um, in regards to the world's uh, population of the poor and, uh, and, and some of the better ways to get people out of poverty is through these micro loans where it enables them to work and pay back those loans. Uh, so it's really, really interesting. But so credit is a good thing, right? And it can also help uh, help us with paying for like an emergency, right? Like a child surgery or going to you know, an emergency doctor visit. But even with those good things, and like we talked about from an importance standpoint, there's also a danger because taking on debt always has a form of servitude, right? There's always, there's, there's always that aspect of uh, a lender and debtor. And uh, like, like if you will, just turn in your Bibles and look with me in Proverbs 22. Proverbs. In Proverbs 22 in verse 7, where this is just put really straightforward. If I can have a volunteer to read Proverbs 22, verse 7. Ethan? Very good. Yeah, the borrower is the slave of the lender. So there's always a form of servitude that comes with borrowing. Now, again, does that mean that borrowing is somehow sinful or that it's to always be avoided? No, it does not, right? It just requires prudence and wisdom. In fact, it was actually one of the curses in Deuteronomy 28 that if Israel failed to obey their covenant God, one of the curses was this form of servitude, that they would become debtors to those around them. So let's talk about making decisions about debt, right? So let's just kind of practically work through this. And maybe, for example, let's say you're looking to get a car, right? And so how should we think about debt? What are the things that we should consider when we think about taking on uh, borrowing? Barani. Super fast. Yes. Exactly. Yep. You don't want to be like uh, what they say, uh, upside down, right? Where it's like you drive it off the lot, 
and you owe more than if you were to sell it once you got off the lot, right? Yeah, no, absolutely, right? Because then, then again, you're, you're putting yourself, you're taking on more risk if something happens. And again, risk is a wisdom issue. How are you going to handle that risk? Um, so, uh, so I think on your notes, point C, making decisions about borrowing or making decisions about debt. So the first question that we should all ask when we take on debt is why do we need debt, right? Why do we need, uh, why, why do we need to borrow in the, in, with this example of a car, right? Why do we need to borrow in this example, you know? And, 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 and again, this goes back to that whole motive thing. Are our reasons um, selfish? Is, do we have an idolatry issue where, um, uh, uh, and an identity issue where we want people to perceive or see us a certain way, therefore we will max out as much of the credit that we can so that way we're seen as successful, smart, rich, wealthy, esteemed by others, right? And so I think that's like, from a heart standpoint that we wanna ask ourselves, am I getting this debt to, to use it in ways in which God is honored or am I using it as an outworking of uh, heart issues that I've got going on and, and I, idolatries and identity issues, right? Um, and so I think that's, that's important, right? Um, that we examine where our motives are, right? And, and, to, and to think some of that. The second thing, and this is like super practical, right? Can you afford it, right? Um, I'm gonna butcher it, so I'm not gonna say it. But basically, if you spend more than you make, uh, to keep up with that standard will be your downfall, but uh, there's a much better way to say it. I just can't remember the, uh, the acronym or the hook, so. Uh, so super practical, right? Can you afford it, right? If you can't afford the debt you're looking to take on, that would be unwise. That, so you're, from a risk standpoint, that's really risky, right? And we're going to talk about what are some of the dangers of that, right? And, 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 and when, we, when, we, when we talk about debt from that standpoint, we need to really like ask ourselves too, like are we accounting for everything? Or are we just saying, you know, sometimes it's like something shiny or new or newer or whatever, and it's like all we think about is this one piece. And you're like, well, did you think about like insurance? And did you think about maintenance? And did you think about when, you know, your tires are out of line because you haven't like, you know, rotated them in years and you need new tires, right? Like all these kinds of things. Um, all of those are like expenses you want to try to factor in and, and it's wise to do that, right? To, to consider something holistically and not just individually. Um, but not only that, um, you know, and, 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 and this kind of goes back to what Pastor Des was saying last week, right? Not living beyond our means um, and, and trying to establish uh, a budget and being strategic with how we want to spend our money, how we want to give, how we want to save, right? Th things of that nature. But maybe other questions we could ask ourselves instead of just taking on debt is, could you get a second job? Or temporarily have a second job? Could you find other work to help offset it? Could you find other modes of transportation temporarily to build up more money for a down payment? Could you get something that's more affordable, right? Or, or, or even if it's like, you know, like the classic uh, junker, right? Like let's say you just get a junker for two years, right? Because that's affordable to you and it gives you time to build up and save, right? Those are all good questions to ask instead of just jumping in or thinking, let me just go with what's 
what's newer. Now again, I'm not trying to say if you go with what's newer that that's somehow like wrong or like, you know, like less spiritual, right? You have to make the appropriate risk decision with the place and lot in which the Lord's given you at this time. But when we think about the question of affording something, it really comes down to, like when we're talking about, it's, it's wisdom and it's also self-control, right? Because this can be a way in which, especially in America, with advertising and all kinds of pressure, it's put on us to spend. Right, And they try to tie in all kinds of things. Our identity, how people will view us. And it really requires discipline and self-control to be able to say no. It does, right? And, and we're just reminded, we think of in Titus 2, right? The exhortation that Paul gives to the young church in Crete, um, to Titus, uh, uh, for, for each of the members, right? For the men and the women, for the older and the younger, to not only exercise self-control, but to teach others to be sober-minded and self-controlled, right? To have a, a, a view that's unclouded in order to make uh, proper judgments on things, right? Not just giving into something immediately. And if you will, so we're in Proverbs. Uh, turn with me to Proverbs chapter uh, 22, right? And, we, we, um, and look with me at verses 26 and 27. And so when we think about debts or, or even, you know, a, a pledge for someone else's debt, right, but the application could even be to ourselves. Let, let's read Proverbs 22, verses uh, 26 and 27. If I could have a, a volunteer. Caden? Bronnie, I got you next. Don't worry. Yeah, thanks, Caden. So the important point here, right, to see is not just that debt is risky, but debt can be very costly. It could cost the very bed that you sleep on, right? So again, what that, what that emphasizes is the importance that we associate with debt and the wisdom and self-control that's required with it. Right? All debt is servitude, but the degree of servitude depends on our ability to undo the obligation. Right? And this is, um, uh, and, and again, to distinguish between good debt and bad debt is also helpful here when we think about the question of affording it. So then lastly is the question of have you sought counsel? Right? And, and this really just looks at from uh, how much time are you investing but then also being willing to be transparent with some, right? To just say, hey, here's where we are, here's what we're thinking, right? And it can be good to have others to be able to speak into your life, especially maybe others who are older in life or maybe have been through some of these uh, situations or circumstances where they can relay wisdom and, and other things. Like uh, Proverbs 15 says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. And so, Point D on our notes, uh, living in debt, right? So we've covered um, uh, the wisdom of borrowing, making decisions about borrowing, and just some questions that we can ask, then living in debt. And so 
what we've talked about so far has uh, been more about like future debt, right? Like, uh, like what should we think about when we're going to go take on debt? But now it can be helpful for us just to pause because a lot of us uh, are normally in some form of debt or another, right? And maybe some of it is, is marriage. Maybe some of it is debt taken on before you were a Christian. Maybe some of it is debt taken on while you were a Christian, right? We all come with different circumstances in our life and the debt that's associated with it. So how should we think about debt from a Christian perspective with debt that we already have? And uh, the simple answer is we pay it back, right? It's just straightforward. Um, if, if you will, turn, turn in Romans 13. I think just a helpful principle that Paul hits in Romans 13 Romans 13, and let's read verse 7. Barani, you want to get this one? I know you patiently waited. (laughs) No, perfect. So... The principle here is that there are uh, authorities or positions, and then there are certain things that we are to render to them, right? And so one implication or aspect of that could be contracts we enter into that we are then obligated to fulfill our duty, right? Um, and, uh, and, and not only that, but it would be like the positive side of the Eighth Commandment, right? We're not to be stealing, but we are to be contributing, right? And, and even paying back our debts. In Psalm 37, 21, uh, God says it's the wicked who borrow and don't repay. So the simple thing is if we take out debt, we need to undo it, and we do that by, um, by repaying it. Now, a longer answer is to reflect on why we have the debt that we have, right? And this is important because we need to make nuances here in regards to why. Do we have debt from sinful or greedy choices? Do we have, uh, or, or, or do we have good debt from you know, wise uh, decisions that were made? And I think that requires us to explore in our heart because if we don't understand at the root where we are and why we are where we are, uh, it can be easy for us to fall into that uh, similar situation, right, with, with it uh, being unguarded. And so, um, yeah, we have to take responsibility and humbly working with our creditors to reconcile and pay back the debt, right? Credit card debt, mortgages, uh, businesses. Now, uh, and, and, and here, and maybe this is a helpful nuance too. In America, um, uh, we have laws set up to help with debt. Um, we think of the different types of uh, the different chapters of bankruptcy, right? And uh, and and they take on different things, and uh, it's it's a, and it can be good and appropriate for Christians to even use those um, uh, if necessary, depending on on the situation. But I think the the right goal is to try to work through and pay back the debt as agreed to in whatever terms or contracts that we have. 
All right, so any questions or comments in regards to um, uh, debt or borrowing or some of the things that we've kind of talked about from, from that standpoint? I just have a debt. So, yeah. Um, uh, I was raised in a very money savvy home. My parents taught me, and we like we didn't like impulse buy. We learned to like save up when we wanted something. But whereas Ron, he raised by a single mom, four children. Um, you know, one. You know, like he didn't really have that kind of understanding. Um, and so, you know, when there was money, he's like, oh, go buy. No, no, we don't. You know, type thing. Um, because I had a little bit more experience than money, I said, because he had a student loan debt and I didn't. I said, if you let me be in charge of the student loan debt, I'll pay it off in six years instead of 12. He's like, it's all yours, you can handle it. And so, the, uh, just my tip in that is that the way that a lot of the, the creditors set it up, when you pay extra, you're not actually paying toward the principal, they pay toward future payments. So they pay first towards interest and then toward principal. So I would write big letters on every statement, do not advance payment, apply toward principal. And sure enough, we paid it off in less than six years, just by like, you know, first we started with just an extra $30, you know, and then we kind of just snowballed it a little bit from there. Yes. But, um, but yeah, just knowing that the system isn't necessarily in your favor and that you have to do some research and... Um, yeah, be smart with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely, that, that, that's a really help. And um, I don't know if some of you have heard, you know, the, the debt snowball. I think that's, I don't know if Dave Ramsey has coined that. But, you know, basically as you pick up speed by paying off debt, right, there's momentum that's gained and that can be a really positive and helpful thing. No, it's really good. And you, you go ahead, Eric. Building courage. It does. That's, that's the whole thing. You know, that's the biggest thing. I mean, he starts saying, well, pay off your smallest debt first. Right. Isn't really the best financially, but it's... To build encouragement, like, hey, I can't do this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but if you, if you, you know, you have enough uh, of a, uh, you know, a long site. Yes. You can pay off the big debts first because that will save you more. Right. But um, if you don't, if you can't, if you're prone to get discouraged, pay off the small debts first. That way you can add more. To Right, right. No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and there's definitely encouragement there from that standpoint. That can be very beneficial. Forrest? I have two things to offer. One, if we go out with a credit card and buy something, we are in debt until we pay that off at the end of the month. So we are, you know, it depends where we are financially. The other thing, I think Deborah and I found out something very early that we be, we've always discussed that we never think about it as our money. It is God's money. The other thing, we, and how would God, what would God have us to do and always pray over purchases? Mm. When the kids were little, and we used to say, if we need to go out and we need to purchase things, sure. If it's over $100, could be more today because of inflation. But... We're going to take 24 hours to pray about it. We're not going to purchase that until we're sure that this is what the Lord would have us to do. And by you know, wise financing, that you can actually become completely debt-free, which is an incredible place to be. Um, I had one more thing, but I forgot. 
No, that's really no, that's really helpful I think, input. I think it's important to consider things with that mindset. Yes, absolutely. And even taking that time, setting up that discipline or practice to go and take some time just to pray together, work right. through it, make sure you guys are aligned. Yeah, absolutely. Because, and, and, and just to build on that, most companies know most people lack self-control when it comes to money and knowing if they have the option, they're going to go for it. And they hedge their bets knowing you won't and they'll make money that way. And that's why credit card companies are some of the, yeah. you know. And they have that. Yes, they do. No, absolutely. Can I tag on to that? Because I remember that was sure. exactly what I was going to mention. We have a credit card that gives back a great amount of points and dollars. So whenever we have a large, if we have a larger purchase or auto repair or something, we always use the card for that. Even though we can pay for it, we use the card. And what happens is it comes time for us to go visit our kids or something. And we go, wow, the airfare's covered, the, the hotel's covered, the rental car's covered, everything's covered. Yes. And it was only because we wisely used the right credit card. Yes. Yep. And are able to exercise self-control right. so you're not, you know, making up for it with all the interest you had to pay from other purchases. No, absolutely. That's a really helpful analogy. Why didn't you tell me that earlier? I would have included it. <laughs> See what's going on here. <laughs> or lack thereof. Yep, I see what's going on. All right. All right. Well, let's talk about savings and investing, right? So if borrowing is um, getting something now and paying for it later, saving is um, uh, paying for it now so you can get it later. And so, uh, and like we talked about in the, in the intro, right? 
there are good things associated with savings, but there's also things that we have to be on guard with savings, right? It's a, it's a neutral thing that can be used for good or for bad. So maybe just by show of hands, um, uh, how many of you enjoy saving? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And if we were to ask, you know, children, how much of you enjoy saving, right? That, that number might even be smaller, right? Yeah. When, when, uh, when we don't understand the wisdom behind it, right? Because there's something about being able to have something now versus foregoing things now uh, and for what you can have in the future. So, um, so let's look at uh, on our notes uh, under uh, point three, savings, enabling the future. So the first point there is prudence and planning. And this is just a really good example. Um, let's just head back to Proverbs, right? Um, let's head back to Proverbs. Just a lot of really good practical wisdom. And let's look at Proverbs 6, verses uh, 6 through 8. And if I can have a volunteer read Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 8. All right, Harrison. Go to the end, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Yeah, perfect. And the big thing there, too, is verse 8, right? So you see um, uh, Solomon commending this idea of prudent planning, right? Using wisdom to say, don't, don't take everything now, right? Save up. And, and plan for the future. Um, in Proverbs 21.5, uh, Scripture says uh, um, uh, that plans are what lead to profit, right? Using, using wise principles and planning. And it's uh, in Proverbs 21.20, it's the wise who store up, whereas the fool devours all that he has. And, you know, an eminent example right from Genesis is the example of Joseph, right? And how God does much good to his people and to the Egyptians through the use of saving for times of emergency, right? Which in that case was a famine. Uh, and, and, and it's very interesting uh, when you uh, read through some of the material related to poverty. One of the things that uh, affects people who are in the more poor categories financially the most is not having any buffer, right? So as soon as, like, you know, um, they have a crop fail, right, or a child surgery or something of that nature, and they have no savings, immediately they go into debt, and immediately they have no buffer to be able to help them. And when you look at, like, cycles of poverty, that's actually one of the gr greatest contributions uh, is not having any kind of buffer that they can build in, um, and so, um, and so God has a normal means of enabling us to provide for the future, and that comes in the form of saving. So there's wisdom with that kind of planning. Secondly, on our notes, let's look at the hazards of hoarding, right? So if, if um, prudence is planning is the positive aspect, hazards of hoarding would be the negative, right? It would be the sinful aspect. In, in Luke 12, we have the parable of the rich fool. 
right before the parable, Jesus gives this alerting command. And I want us to listen to this, right, in Luke 12, 15. Take care and be on guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So you think about this. And there, 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 there's, there's a handful of times, right? There's, there's, there's multiple times where Jesus will issue, you know, an on-guard call, right? Before an imperative, right? Before a command, right? And you think of like, you know, what some of those would be. How many of us would put covetousness in like this top category, right? Where it's like, be on guard. All right, what's coming, right? Is it going to be something like really, really heinous that's like super visible, and then he's like, covetousness, right? What's going on in your heart and all the ways that it manifests itself, right? And, and um, uh, you know, in, in, in uh, Colossians 3, right, it says that, uh, that, that, that covetousness or greed is idolatry, right? And because it's that, it's that lust and that grasping and that discontentment, and we go and find our joy and comfort in, in those things instead of the Lord who gives all things freely for us to enjoy, right? But so going back to Luke 12, right? So it, at the end of the parable, right? So and you guys are familiar with this, right? So the fool just basically keeps building, right? And he's like, I got, I got more stuff. What should I do? I should build a bigger barn, right? And put all my stuff in there and then get a bigger barn and put all my stuff in there. And, and on the heels of that, the Lord says, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And then Jesus goes on to say, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. And, and this just weaves in really well with what uh, Pastor Des was saying on budgeting, what we were talking about with generosity. How do we fight greed, right? How do we fight greed? It's by being generous, right? That, that's the New Testament's answer of how we fight it. It's, it's being generous. And so we even see this here, right? And so the danger with saving can be that saving turns into selfish hoarding and greed and we become uh, an Ebenezer Scrooge, right? Where we just hang on to everything instead of looking at, like, like, like Force was saying earlier, that the money that God gives us is his money and we should, we should have some to spend, we should have some to give, and we should have some to save, right? But not look at it just from this capacity of how do I build... You know, what's my material wealth, right? Instead of looking at it as um, who does God want me to be with his money in, in all, these different, all these different facets. And, and right, Scripture calls on this uh, in, in many ways. Um, right, like in Proverbs eleven twenty six, it says, People curse the man who hoards grain, but blessing crowns him who is willing to sell. And, and it's actually really interesting you know, just you see this idea of um, generosity can be weaved into working, right? And it's not just something that's always handed out, but it can be something that's even paid for, even if it's at a discount. Or, or further in Proverbs, in Proverbs 11, uh, turn with me, so we're in Proverbs now, turn with me to Proverbs 11, and let's look at verse 28 real quick. Because at, at, the, at, the, at the root of Hoarding, it, it will come down to a trust issue. Why do we need so much? Right? 
And, and let's look at Proverbs 11.28. And uh, maybe if we have a volunteer, read Proverbs 11.28. Yeah, Barani? Yes. Nope. And, and I think even as we Christians, we are also tempted with this. Because the reality is, and, and this is a part of how wealth can be good, is there is a certain level of comfort that comes with it, right? Because there's certain risks that are mitigated. And that in and of itself is not bad. But it's when we take the good that comes with that comfort, and then we let it become ultimate, right? And now we start driving to that end instead of seeing it with an open hand, right? And, and that's just the insidious nature of idolatry, right? And how it, and how it tries to capture us. It wants to take our faith. It wants us to trust it and not the Lord. So, let's go to our third point. So we looked at prudence in planning, hazards of hoarding, now treasures in trusting. So we looked at earlier um, in, 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 these seminar, in, in these seminars, giving and spending and debt and savings. And then, uh, you know, questions will arise. Well, you know, does one have a priority over other? You know, do I just focus on one and, and, and to the exclusions of other? And as, as, as nice as it would be for the scripture just to give you, right, in your circumstance, like, here's your one Bible verse, right? And this just solves it, right? Boom, right? Your answer, you're good, go off, right? But no, like, like, like many liberty issues, right? This is something that requires wisdom. It requires laboring. It requires understanding your circumstances, right? And to apply insight and prudence. And so I'd say even when it comes to these categories, they likewise require these things. Wisdom and insight. Accounting for your circumstances. You know, looking at your heart motives. And, and all, all things in, in that nature. But really, I think when we boil it down, the goal of saving for the Christian is not simply risk reduction or prudent planning, right? But it's, it's under this major category of stewardship. It's faithfulness, right? So in the same way with spending, right, or even with debt, we think about savings as a form of stewardship, right? And from that lens, it can be really freeing because we know that when we've been responsible with what we've been entrusted, the results are with the Lord, right? Let's say you had saved up for retirement, you know, and then, I mean, I hate to say it, but let, let's say you were a part of Enron, right? Right before all of that came down, you know? I mean, you were faithful, you were investing, you didn't know that there was corrupt stuff going on with this company, right? And then you ended up losing it, right? What do you do in that situation? The same thing you've been doing for 30 years, right? You trust the Lord. You leave the results to the Lord. And, um, so, and I, and I think, there, again, there's something freeing with that, right? When we see savings from that aspect, an aspect of faithfulness. So lastly, I want to turn uh, to our point on investing. And investing here with this idea of maximizing godly opportunity, right? So what's needed to start a business, right? Generally, not just a set of skills or an idea or a concept, right? But normally you need some type of capital. You need some type of financial backing. And when we think of you know, business and, and things of that nature, 
uh, there's a lot of good in addition to a lot of evil that can come, right? Business is also one of those neutral things, can be used for both. And so when we think of investing, we should think of it from that framework, that it's us enabling and participating with these companies to do well and to, um, to benefit and prosper other people, right? For, for, for the common good, if you will, right? There's something very commendable with that. But it's not just that, it's also partial ownership, right? So when we invest in companies, we have some type of stake in the game, right? We become a shareholder who has you know, certain power and, 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 and whatnot. And, um, you know, and, and, the, and again, with the idea that as the companies do good and they grow and they profit, so we profit in their profiting. Right? And that's not a bad thing, right? We, that, that, that's a good thing, right? That's, a, that's God's natural means of helping to propel people to work. Now, again, can that be abused? Absolutely, right? But that can be a natural inclination for growth. But sometimes we become, when we think of investing, we just look at it with this myopic view, right, like the, the horse blinders on a horse, where we only think about financial returns, right? What can I get the most for the least, right? What can I get more of that costs me less, right? And that, that becomes like the only filter that we work in. Now, again, are those good questions to ask? 100% they are, right? We are to be wise in our stewardship. But we need to be careful careful that making the most amount of money is not the top priority of every investment. So let's ask this question. Does God care with whom we profit? Does God care with whom we are owners in business? Or maybe to help push the envelope on this one, right, to use an extreme example, would it ever be good to invest in a strip club? What if the returns were 100% there were no fees, and you were able to reduce your risk completely. Would that be okay, right? And I think when we ask that question, it helps us to think, do we have the proper filters and priorities to weigh through investments, right? Or are we just looking at financial returns? Now, and again, I think in, um, or let, me, let, me, let me pause for a second. It would be crazy to think that lucrative financial profits would outweigh that this business is engaged in sinful products and practices to the hurt of many. Right? And so turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 10, and let's look at verse 2. We'll look at two Proverbs real quick. Proverbs, chapter 10, and verse 2. Maybe we'll get a volunteer to read. All right, excellent. So then God in here is concerned about the way in which we gain treasures or profit, right? The way in which, um, the way in which we gain. And turn with me to Proverbs 16, and let's look at verse 8. Yeah, I was going to say 18. I'm like, well, that's not it. Uh-oh. Yeah, go ahead, Sabrina. 
Yeah, so that's super important. So God is concerned that when we make money, it's not to the hurt or through the forms or, or through forms of injustice or oppression, right? And so that that would include you know, there, and, and, there, and there's there's ways to go about thinking of that, right? But normally with investments, it's easy to be passive, right? Because uh, because of you know, you kind of look at like the history of like investing, right? And there's kind of these different waves, right? Starting in the 1600s with the Dutch Trading Company, right? And we get to where we are now, where it's all these algorithms. You can have hundreds of companies in a mutual fund or an ETF, and it's very easy to not know any company, right? Or only a handful of the you know 200 or 500 companies that you're invested in with with each share. But even with that being the case, I, I think there's a call here from Scripture that when we do invest, we need to see it not as something that we're passive with, but that we're active and selective and that we do use or that we should use filters and think through who are the companies that I am in business with and that we are profiting together based on whatever they produce or, or engage in, right? And, um, and how they're, uh, wh whether, you know, um, and, and, and things of that nature. So, so that, and that kind of wraps up uh, point four from, um, from an investing standpoint. I guess we have like a minute or two, so any questions in regards to savings or investing before we close out? Yeah, Harrison. That's a, that's a, I mean, that's a really good way for us to even close, right? Just the danger in our hearts to just think, look at what I have uh, um, accumulated for myself. Yeah. No, I think with that, let's go ahead and let's, let's go to the Lord and thank him for this time. Father, we thank you for this time to get to think about um, borrowing and debt, saving and investing, and pray that you would give us wisdom to use 
um, uh, money and be good stewards of it and in all to be faithful with your money. And we ask that you'd bless the rest of this morning and our service. In Jesus' name, amen.